Okay, here we are. Welcome back. This is my day two. And, uh, hmm. I have nothing planned to talk about, but I'm sure I'll come up with something. Um, yeah, actually, I need to change my headphones. Hang in there, guys. And ladies and everybody. Okay. I am now listening to our friend BK, who's struggling a lot more than me now. I had a nice sleep. He's still walking. So, I didn't want to get up today. That was certainly a reminder of the Camino. And I kind of thought, oh, I could do it at lunch. I could do it in the evening. I could do it tomorrow. Um, if I want to do 200 kilometers or 800 kilometers to replicate my original Camino, and there may not be 800 kilometers of video footage to cover it, but I can cover it with something else. I would need to do 200 of these. Um, so I certainly want to get it done within the year. It gives me a bit of wriggle room. Don't need to do every consecutive day, but I'm gonna aim for that. That makes it more Camino-like, no promises. But I'll do 800 kilometers within the year. I might set another tighter deadline later on. Let's just, uh, oh, BK is suffering there. Oh God. But let's just uh, take it nice and easy for the moment. So I'm putting this up on YouTube and SoundCloud. I might put the audio a couple of other places. I don't know, see um, if people want to walk to it. I know it's not the same if you're not looking at the same images as me. Um, so yeah, I didn't want to get up. My cat Bobby came up and woke me up. He's been doing that a lot lately. I'd like to think he's was getting me ready for my Camino, but I'm sure there's more selfish needs. There's something, something going on with that cat at the moment. He's preoccupied. I, there's other cats in the neighborhood, I believe, new arrivals, and that puts his nose severely out of joint. I know one of them came to my office window there one, one day, a couple of weeks ago, peering in. Bobby was not happy. So, and I know him and the other cat, Bessie, were uh, preoccupied last night, going out the cat flap, checking out the territory. So yeah, lately, actually, the last few mornings, Bobby's been waking me up and he's been pawing the floor which is like what he does after eating. You know, sometimes they paw the floor as if they're covering up the food. <laughs> God love them. I hate to break it to him that he's not achieving anything with that, but anyway, it makes him happy. 
But um, but no, now he's just coming up to my bedroom and doing it for no reason. So he didn't do that today, actually, but he was a little agitated. Anyway, he kind of helped get me up for this. Gotta tell you a nice story, actually, about how Bobby came into my life. I know I mentioned um, uh, Billy, the cat who died the other day. Don't want it to be all sad stories. Life is the good and the bad. Some people don't even use those labels. Just thinking of that Tony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins quote. Um, what was it again? The, the end of it. It's just like, accept everything. Oh, I'm too tired to remember now. I expect nothing and I accept everything. Easier said than done at times. Gonna give it a go, just, <laughs> even just for this hour. I mean, after, after I've recorded, I can be and do whatever I want. No one's gonna know. But when I'm on the treadmill with the mic on, you gotta try and put forward a good image. So, I kind of feel like I'm walking this with BK. Just because I can hear his sighing, feel his pain. I feel like I'm egging him on, even though he's done it already. But then they say, don't they say, all time doesn't exist at once, so maybe I'm actually, or all time exists at once, or we don't have linear time. So maybe I'm actually egging him on in, uh, you know, maybe he's doing it right now. That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe we're all doing it right now. I'm not going to try to be deep today. I'm not going to try to be funny. What's left? Boring. Okay. That I can do. Um... The problem with me when I make jokes, I make them in a serious voice and I'm not able to change that. That's okay for me, audience of one. So, I'm doing it for other people. Hmm, not so good. Anyway. Bobby, my cat, yeah. Nice story about how he came into my life. True story. So I woke up, um, hold on, I wanna hold my carry my mobile phone once. I would see someone pass them there and said Buen Camino. Yeah. I forgot to talk about that yesterday. Actually, I was so up my own fundament yesterday that I completely forgot to talk about the images. This tractor guy. I think I remember him. Oh. BK, please. I probably just remember the tractor from yesterday. Okay. Where was I? Just gonna readjust my mic. <coughs> wow. He's a nifty operator. He don't hang about. 
Some nifty reversing there as well. When I grew up, the bales were all rectangular. Used to help the neighbors collecting bales of hay, stacking them on the back of the, um, the trailer. Also get taking turns driving the tractor. The best bit was sitting on top of the bales, especially when they all collapsed. It was kind of safe, you're on top and you get a soft landing. But then of course you have to, you have to load them up again. I thinking about last night. Anyway, I'll, I can't remember. I'll go back to the story about Bobby. So, got my own house here in Galway, which is a blessing in itself. And um, when I first moved in here, within the first year or two, I, I remember I woke up feeling kind of lonely. And I thought, you know, um, in the absence of a wife or partner, uh, I should get a kitten. <laughs> That's what you do. A lot of people get a dog. I love dogs, but they're a big commitment. I mean, puppies are so cute, and not dogs are great, but I'm one of these people who likes both cats and dogs. It's controversial. A lot of people here in the west of Ireland seem to have an issue with cats. Anyway, woke up, said, I'll get a kitten. So I said, I'll phone the vet you know, in a couple of hours. And uh, once I get up, see has he got um, any kittens for me? <clears throat> and uh, so I got up, had my breakfast, coffee, whatever went about my business and I was outside my house and I heard meowing like you know that high-pitched kitten meow I'm not gonna do it for you it's too early here comes the tractor again what's he up to more hay I dare say nice big tractor and uh, god I love driving tractors I'd love to have one to drive into town because you can't go that fast anyway, going into town from here. I'm like in a village called Moycullen, um, about how many miles from Galway, six or so. I wonder if there are any special privileges you get with a tractor. Well, you get the cheaper diesel. I think I could legally get the cheaper diesel, although maybe I'd have to be registered as a farmer, but that could be done too. Plant a few carrots out in the back. Um, but yeah, I could park the tractor in front of uh, my house. Don't know whether there be room for that in my car. And drive into town. Why do I think that'll be cool? Oh, because it is so cool. Sitting up nice and high with the big wheels. They're a bit noisy, but then the electric tractors are on the way, I presume. I don't know, they'd be pricey. I'd kind of like, not even a big old one, I'm thinking of the ones my cousins had on the farm. Massey Ferguson, I presume, I think. 
my neighbor, John. I think they all had Massey's. John had no cab on his tractor, which, which legally you're meant to have, but he was claustrophobic, I think, so he he got a pass on that. Got a get out of jail card. Um, oh, there's the hay. Okay. So, uh, what was I saying? Tractor. Oh, yeah. No, I'd, I'd, I'd want a cab on mine, but it doesn't need to be a big one like that. Although, that would be cool in its own way. I wonder why no one does that. Like, if you're just commuting into town, there must be benefits to having a tractor. I mean, tax benefits, at least. And also, like, imagine a businessman. Actually, I've got a funny story coming up about tractors in a minute. But, yeah, imagine a businessman going into town <laughs> with a suit, briefcase, Rolex watch. Now, he'd have to have a nice tractor. Although, kind of funnier if it wasn't that nice, an old, banged-up tractor. Buen Camino. But, um, can you imagine that? Driving into town in a suit, in a tractor. And he'd have his own reserve space in the um, parking lot. That's a cool image. And before I get on to my funny story about tractors, uh, in my year in Russia, in uh, film school over there, that was about 92 to 93, we saw a lot of Russian films. Yeah, in Russian, no translation usually at all and um, kind of learned a bit of Russian before going and a lot more over there and uh, they showed us all these Russian films but there was one by a guy called Medvedev. Medvedev actually means bear in, in Russian. Medvedev, so what's his surname? Something to do with a bear. A bear, not a beer. And um, what was the name of the film he made? But it was quite, definitely had a hidden sort of radical message in it. Um, but there was a tractor in it that went mad, had a mind of its own and went driving all over the place, causing mayhem. And I'm pretty sure that was some sort of political statement. Because I, I saw a documentary about it. Actually, there was a documentary about it made by a British guy called The Last Bolshevik about Medvedev. But we had heard about him over in Russia. And, um, oh yeah, in the, but anyway, the tractor would have been, in Russian films, would have been a symbol of, you know, well, obviously agriculture and the success of the collective farms. They had a guy who used to play Stalin <coughs> in all the films. That'd be a weird job, wouldn't it? Playing Stalin. I mean, you'd be like... I mean, acting is nerve-wracking, I'm sure, at the best of, best of times. But playing Stalin when he was still alive, yeah, that would be strange. Well, I guess you just play him as jolly and avuncular, smart, all-round nice guy. I don't think you play him as an evil genius. 
mightn't go down so well. Maybe it would, I don't know. Maybe evil geniuses want to be played that way. Anyway, but there's a scene in one film where the tractor, the tractor is broken down. The peasants are trying to fix the tractor. Along comes Uncle Stalin, has a look at it, said, oh, I think it's a spark plugs or something. And he fixes it up for them. So, good old Uncle Joe. Ah. So, that just made me think of the new Uncle Joe, Joe Biden in America. I'm definitely not getting into politics. Ah, I've had too much politics in the last while. I'm on the Camino now. That's a break from it. So, another funny tractor story. So, I grew up on the Coast Road. Uh, four or so, four or five miles outside Galway city. They call it a city, but it's really a big town. Anyway, used to cycle into town, get the bus into town. Funny, I was dreaming about getting a bus from town to my parents' house last night. Imagine that. Anyway, so I was hitching. Yeah, that was my other option, hitching to town. Hitch, bus, or cycle. There the three. So, that's a nice view here today, isn't it? Lovely, nice tree. I think I remember, oh, this is Orison, I think. I'll finish the story quickly, so. Or will I save it for after Orison? Ah, gonna save it. Bring you that story at the bottom of the air. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. Breaking news, tractor stories. Oh yeah, I remember getting here. I had probably soup and a sandwich and coffee. Probably cafe con leche. But I do remember just being so relieved to get her. And actually, I was... Um, yeah, I forgot to mention how day one started. So day one, day one started with um, uh, me arriving, so flew into Biarritz in France. Met some group of Irish women on the plane. Not all together, a few, just an assembly of people, an assemblage of people. Is that the right word? And uh, it is now. So, um, so I met them on the, we were getting a shuttle bus or whatever, or a bus from Biarritz to Saint-Jean. It's pretty obvious who's doing the Camino, because if I remember rightly, everybody had, probably had their walking boots on. I know I did, and my walking gear, because, oh, he's back walking now, okay. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten the tractor story. I don't want to overhype it, it's not that good. Um, so anyway, we're getting the bus into to Saint-Jean. Oh yeah, I had, I had just my hiking gear on and really light backpack. Like you just pack what you need. You try to keep it in or around eight kilos, which is hard enough to do. And wear your hiking boots and your walking gear. You know, and when you're doing the Camino, I mean, 
It's only one change of clothes, I think. Like, every day when you arrive somewhere, you first thing you do is wash your clothes, often just hand wash them in the sink, dry them on the line, and usually when the weather's good, dries in no time. And that walking gear anyway, the type of walking gear you wear, it's that stuff that dries really quickly. So I won't bore you with all the details about that. Yeah, I will come back to the tractor story, but I'll just get this kind of uh, bit out of the way, sort of um, set up. So I arrived, get chatting to these Irish women. Anyway, it turned out everybody had booked a place to stay in Saint-Jean. I was kind of told by my friend Declan, I blame him, just, you know, book as you go, play it casual. So I didn't book for Saint-Jean. And this Irish woman, Ashley, hadn't booked either. So it turned out we were of the group that had met off the plane. Uh, we were the only two who hadn't booked a place. So anyway, we go to the pilgrim's office where you register and get your pilgrim's passport. And um, went back there. And there was about 40 people or so who didn't have a place to stay. So they marched us all to the gym, gymnasium, in the rain. Well, was it raining that night? It was certainly raining the next morning. We all slept on rubber mats on the floor. So I woke up 5 a.m. or something, started, got up at 5.30, ready to go. Ashley woke up as well, so she went as well. I think we were the first two up out of that group of 40. Can't believe I was the first up. That's so not me. And uh, so, yeah, first night spent on the floor of a gym, which actually I was fine with in my sleeping bag because it felt like an adventure. I can slum it when I have to. Also partial to a five-star hotel, especially if someone else is paying. When I'm doing my speaker's tour after the success of this uh, Camino podcast, <laughs> take note. Five-star hotel, forget about the roofing it bit. But I can do, I can do everything in between as well. But yeah, both extremes have their charms. But uh, I spent six months, I was on a job in Dublin, staying in a hotel that was um, kind of basic. It was fine, no, it was clean. There was no bar in it, which meant there was no kind of noisy stag parties or anything. And um, it's just, it wasn't what you'd call a hotel with character, but it was clean and modern. And uh, I used to like the fact when I got deliveries, you know, they were held at reception for me. My bed was made every day. So I felt like important or something. I like hotel rooms, some people hate them. I know people have been forced to stay in them for COVID. I'd probably be okay with that. Something different than when you're forced to be somewhere, isn't there? And actually, I remember when I was in that hotel, there were families in there. I used to come across kids playing hide and seek in the corridor. The same kids, you know, day after day. And I realized it wasn't really that big in the news at the time, but it became bigger news that, yeah, they were, um, used to be homeless families who were placed in hotels. And, uh, that's not a great life for them, really. But, I mean, kids are adaptable, but certainly in the long run, it's not ideal. Now, I am really losing my train of thought. 
how long am I into this walk? Uh, 23 minutes, 24 minutes, okay. Um, tractor story, okay. So, hitching into town one day, I was, I don't know, 16, 18, something like that. And, um, uh, tractor comes along and I kept my thumb out. I was like, tractor is fine. I've shared a tractor cab many a time, no big deal. Guy pulls in. So I uh, hop in. It's kind of just after I hopped in, he starts moving off. I get the whiff of whiskey, fill the whole cab. I'm like, oh God, he's drunk. And well, first off, the bad drink driving isn't funny. Definitely not, and it's not cool. At all. This was back in the day when there probably was more of it. Anyway. Overwhelming pong of whiskey. But I kind of thought, well, you know, it's a tractor, he's going slow. It's not too bad. And I think I was helping him steer you know, giving him directions or maybe even grabbing the steering wheel myself. But I also think it's more likely that's just an embellishment I added to the story that has become real in my head. Anyway, we didn't get far. Cops suddenly appeared behind us in the cop car, lights ablaze, their big mission of the day. They overtook the tractor, flagged him down and uh, pulled him in and uh, <laughs> I just remember he turned to me and he said, don't say nothing, don't say anything. I'm thinking, yeah, I, you know, I don't need to say anything. But you know, it's good the cops got him, got him off the road. <sighs> Poor guy obviously had a problem. See, I flagged that as a funny story. Now I look back and I go, well, I don't know. For me, it was funny hitching the lift with the tractor. And the fact he said, don't say anything, I found amusing. And the story ended okay. I hope that guy sorted his life out. That's what we're all doing, isn't it? Sorting our lives out or trying to. How much of that is an illusion? I don't know, I think putting one foot forward with a bit of optimism and doing one's best to take responsibility. Trying not to be a dick, at least some of the time. That's a good start. I think there's too much fixation nowadays on sorting yourself out, on life hacks. It's like all these people who present those videos, I don't want to give them a hard time, but I think they believe it themselves, but this whole, they can kind of sell you that idea that, hey man, everything's sorted. But uh, you never get it fully sorted. And uh, life is beautiful, but it's sad as well, and it ends. And um, the life hacks, feel like a, like almost everything in a Western life. 
they're just about keeping us from thinking. Oh, he's holding up his phone to get GPS signal, let's say. That must be it. No, you're going the right way, BK. Keep going. Follow that walker. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of life is, in especially, especially in this consumer culture, is just a big distraction. I mean, there's even a website called distractify.com, I think, full of clickbait. I'm so glad I'm off Facebook and Twitter and all that. Don't miss it at all. I mean, I'm half thinking of setting up a Twitter account to promote this. I don't see this having a huge market outside of Camino heads, but there's quite a few Camino heads in the world. And during lockdown, they uh, may or may not want to follow. Well, either follow BK's original video or follow or listen to my droning on or do both. So putting this on SoundCloud as well. A little plug there for my SoundCloud version. I think though there's something about watching it. When I was looking through this after recording it and just setting the sound levels and things, I thought there's something about the blend of point of view shot, the sound of the clicking sticks. I keep that quite low, you know, and then the, the voice. Like at times I'm watching it, it feels to me like I'm that, that, that BK who's walking, that I'm him, if you know what I mean, that those are my eyes. Um, but yeah, modern world. You're actually, I think facing one's mortality can be a positive thing and actually is a positive thing. Makes you get the most out of life. I got an amazing book years ago called One, One Year to Live, written by a couple who had worked a lot with um, dying people. And um, they just noticed, you know, a lot of people came fully alive when they realized uh, they didn't have long to live. And he was suggesting that as an experiment, live the next year of your life as if it's your last year. So I never, you know, got quite around to doing that. But I also found that book as an audiobook. And I've listened to it quite a few times, and it is deep and profound. And I think the problem with distracting ourselves all the time with, I don't know, sitcoms and news and life hacks and TikTok, or, well, other social media is available. All those things, light entertainment, I think they have their place, but if it becomes your whole life, if consumerism takes you over, which is what they want, at the risk of sounding like a conspiracy theorist. Although in fairness, conspiracy theorists, uh, yeah, they've taken it to a whole new level these days. I 
Definitely not going down that wormhole. But yeah, the 1% who have 99% of the wealth or whatever the figure is, they want us to keep consuming the crap they make. And I don't know what's going to happen when we run out of money to buy their crap. Because that's kind of the way it's headed, it seems. Oh, I hear the cowbells. They actually... I remember these from before. Are they actually been worn by cows or sheep? I presume they are. <clears throat> As I said, the Camino felt like a dream to me. And redoing it now feels a bit like that because it's early morning, I'm tired. And actually yesterday when I finished <clears throat> and I opened my back door. Hold on, what's he gonna say to her? Scary, scared of... <laughs> scared of the sheep, is it sheep? I'm watching on a small tablet, that's why I can't see everything too well. Anyway, I'm going to park the lecture on consumerism. I just think it's a bit exhausting, the whole consumerist thing. Oh, they're okay, they're cows. On their own. I'm not too scared of cows, because we grew up with cows in the fields beside us. But I do remember, but they would have been bullocks neutered males, but uh, I used to go into the field, myself, my brother and sister, and our neighbour's dog, Spot, and Spot was mad, he'd go running all over the place, and I'd go running after the cattle, and next thing, I mean, at least once this happened, I'm sure it happened more times, I think, <laughs> Spot would be running towards us with like 20 mad bullocks running after him, and uh, we had to run like bejesus. So, yeah, but I'm not that scared of cows. Bulls, that's another story. I think I saw at least one bull along the Camino. They're um, amazing creatures to see up close, because don't, you don't get to see them that often unless you work as a hunt. Well, yeah, I won't get into that. Um, they're amazing looking creatures, though. They're so masculine looking. They're like the epitome of masculinity. They certainly make me feel less masculine. So, coming up to, what, 35 minutes or something? Okay, have some water. Yeah. I think I might have promised yesterday that we'd have a quote for each day. Did I promise that? I don't know. I thought about it. And, uh... Getting hotter, it's gonna take off a layer. Um... Got some good quotes from a woman called Mary O'Hara, who was slash is famous Irish singer and harpist. She had to correct me when I first met her. I said, oh, aren't you the harp player? She said, no, I'm a singer first. And I play the harp. 
When I was a kid, she was on the radio all the time. She was huge in the UK, and I think big in the States as well. Very interesting woman. She's in her 80s now. And actually, yeah, there is a kind of link here. I met her just... I was aware of who she was, anyway. Uh, people younger than me mightn't be, but I certainly was. I was aware, I mean, of her name. So I'm in Anton's Cafe in Galway. There's a plug, I must try and get a free breakfast out of them for saying that. Actually, it's a great cafe. Highly recommend it. Um, and Mary was in there. I didn't know who she was at the time, but she was talking to another woman. They were talking about religion in a very deep kind of way. And I was just back from the Camino. I was all ears. I rudely butted into their conversation. And the woman she was talking to was a nun, plain clothes nun, as I call her. She wasn't wearing the, her habit. Sister Mita, a friend of hers. And I didn't actually know this at the time, but Mary had been a nun. So she was a famous singer and harpist. You can read her biography, which the name of which eludes me right now to get her story, but she um, married a, an American theologian who died young shortly after they married. And then she joined a, a convent in England, a, um, what do they call them, Benedictine order, and a female convent. Oh yeah, female. Female monastery, that's what I meant to say. I think, I get confused by that, but I think they call it a monastery, which I always associated with men. But it shows how much I know. And um, she and she left it all behind. I mean, she made a lot of money singing. She could have made a lot more, she told me, if she, you know, did everything the money people wanted her to do, but she did everything her own way. So her husband died, she left, became a nun. And then, oh now, this is, I can't see too well on my shrine. It's an arrow, but is it also a shrine to somebody who died along the way? You do see that. So on the whole Camino, 800 kilometers, how many did I see? I'm saying possibly less than 10 certainly more than five, could even be more than 10. It's, it's hard to know, but I remember telling people that, and they were like, oh, that's kind of morbid. This is the whole thing about avoiding death, isn't it? I didn't find it morbid. I mean, the fact that millions of people had walked this before me was what kept me going. I really could feel that, and I'm, I'm not one for those kind of feelings normally. Um, like I went to Pompeii and I found it hard to get the sense. And Pompeii is, really is history captured, but I, I just found it hard to feel the sense of history there. And yet on the Camino, I felt it, but I guess when I say history, it wasn't the kind of political history, even though there's a lot of that involved. And there's also stories about St. James, the Camino is, Santiago is named after. Santiago de Compostela is the full name of the city. But there's all this stuff about him fighting the Moors and 
I don't know. Some people say he was a good guy, some say a bad guy, maybe a bit of both. There are certainly different times. What the hell am I on about? I have totally lost my train of thought. This is what it's like to live in my head. And I just switch from one subject to the next, constant tangents. Let's work my way back. St. James, my namesake. Uh, Camino. Oh yeah, people dying along the way. And the sense of history I got, of just the sense of all the people who walked it, who are, you know, still alive or have passed on. But when I saw those shrines, I thought, and I really felt it, because it was such an amazing place to be, I felt, well, you know, if you gotta go, there's worse places. And actually, that does fit into my story for um, the end of day one, the end of being my day five. You know what, I don't want to overhype it, I don't want to be tacky about it, no, it's just to, um... So I walked that whole day with the uh, Irish woman, Ashling, and we came across a woman in difficulty. And, um, just at the end of grueling day one. Um, so... It was... I want to say dramatic, but really it was more than just that. A lot of the things that happened on it just... They began to feel like they're happening for a reason. And um, a lot of it felt quite deep. A lot of it also felt quite dull and boring and painful. I mean, best part of the Camino... Well, no, it's not the best part, but one of the great things is the people you meet. But also this, walking on your own, away from work, away from everybody, is it's a real gift. I'm kind of getting a sense of it now. Well, of course, during lockdown, we're all getting a sense of it, but being on lockdown and yet transporting myself to Spain, because technically we're in Basque country here, um, for the whole, I don't know, first, I don't know where it ends. I mean, does it go as far as Pamploma? I don't think so. I don't want to get in trouble. But certainly, you start in French Basque country and move into Spanish Basque country. Um, and there we go, off on the tangent. But yeah, so here I am. I, when, yeah, when I opened my door, back door yesterday after finishing, it took me a minute to realize I'm still in Galway. That was kind of a nice feeling. I tell you, doing, watching the Camino on my treadmill and talking about it and moving feels a lot better than lying on the couch watching TV, <laughs> eating junk food. I'm not saying I do that all the time, but certainly too much of that at the end of last year. I think a lot of people have been guilty of that during lockdown. Eating, drinking too much, being too lazy, maybe unmotivated. It's great that I have this to get up for in the mornings because if I didn't, I probably would have got up at the last minute. Because, you know, it only takes me 
30 seconds, five seconds even to get to work. My office is just across from my bedroom. But um, definitely made my day yesterday getting up and moving. And as I said, I've got this sad lamp on, which is one of those lamps that gives out a lot of light that's really good, especially if you live in Northern Europe and during the winter months. And I think it helps a lot to get you going. I haven't had a coffee or anything yet, looking forward to that. Got 15 minutes to go, hope you're still with me. Where was I? Mary O'Hara, there's another tangent. Well, anyway, she became a good friend of mine. And every so often we meet for lunch, or breakfast or pancakes. Um, of course, during lockdown, I can't do that. I did meet her at one stage in between lockdowns. We went for pancakes in a kind of socially distanced place. But I certainly won't be doing that for a while, but I must give her a call, actually. But she basically... I'll tell you one thing. She's what you would call um, a holy woman. And... I say holy, but not pious. Not in the sense of... The Ireland I grew up in, uh, there was a lot of piety, not much true holiness. Mary has something, she's got a light in her eye. I mean, I'm not the only person who has commented on that. And she's so peaceful and at peace with herself. She told me she, um, she doesn't follow the news. I mean, obviously someone told her about COVID, her niece keeps her in touch with things like that. She doesn't follow the news, and she um, just reads theology all day. And she gave me some quotes from theologians, a couple that blew me away that I wrote down, two or three. And I'm not going to recite them now. Um, Although I need a quote for the day, I'll find something a little less heavy. There's one that's really heavy, and I say it to people, and a lot of people say, well, they like the nice bit of it, but there's another bit of it that's not so nice. You know what, am I gonna say it? I'm gonna say it, because the only other quotes I can think of right now are ones by either Winston Churchill or is it Louis B. Mayer, the studio exec? All kind of uh, smart and slightly ironic. Um, okay, here's the one from Mary. So, Annie, whatever few viewers, listeners, whatever three or four are left, might lose them all now. So it's a quote from a Hungarian theologian called Ladislav Boros. I think, something like that. Vladislav, God knows how you pronounce it, Boros. There's a W in there, but it's really a V, I think. So, and it says, we must be heralds of joy in this suffering and joyless world. That's pretty hardcore. No, don't, don't switch that channel just yet. Uh, stay with me until the ad breaks, we'll have some nice ads for crap you can buy and cheer you up. Stuff that'll fix your life. Yeah, I might actually, um, might come up with some life hacks along the way as well. 
Where would we be without our life hacks, right? New way to tie your shoelaces. Oh, I already gave you one of those, didn't I? Oh, yeah, I got a few hacks of my own. So that, I'm going to go back to that quote. We must be heralds of joy. Most people like that one in this suffering, joyless world. And mo a lot of people, if not most people, would say, oh, but it's not suffering and joyless. Um, I like the quote. And in a way, explaining it is kind of like explaining a joke. But I guess it's understandable why we want to run away from that idea of it being a suffering, joyless world. Also, there's another way of interpreting it. I don't know, is he necessarily saying it's 100% suffering and joyless? You know? But there's, there's certainly, I mean, as the Buddhists say too, that's the one thing Buddhists and Christianity kind of share at the core that life is suffering and then the message that suffering can be transcended as far as i can see that's the message of both buddhism and um, christianity and i'm sure lots of other um, religions or philosophies i mean stoicism don't know a lot about that but that's a lot of that about at the moment has that a similar message it has that stoicism, that idea of carry your burden, you know? Carry your cross, carry your burden, it has a bit of that. Let's get back to the quote from Ladislav Boros, Hungarian theologian, via Mary O'Hara, former singer and harpist, whom I'm lucky to count as a friend. Um, we must be heralds of joy in the suffering, joyless world. I'll try and sugarcoat it a bit by saying, okay, we all have to acknowledge there is suffering in the world because we're, you know, we die, our loved ones die, there's pain, sickness, everything. I think it's important to look at that and say, of course, a lot of atheists see that as proof of there being no God. So, sorry, I need to adjust my headphones. The sound of the wind from his microphone, BK's microphone is distracting me. Um, I'm not going to get into the whole God thing because I realize that when you say God, some people think they actually think you're talking about the guy in the clouds with the beard. Um, I'm certainly hoping it isn't the guy in the clouds with the beard because I'll have a lot to answer for because when I get to heaven, I've been saying for years, hey, I'm not talking about the guy with the beard, so. I might have a few questions to answer, if it is the guy with the beard, after all. Actually, I will get back to that quote, but one thought I had on the Camino is, um, you know, a lot of people imagine heaven as the pearly gates above the clouds and St. Peter is there. Well, I'm sure, yeah, the pearly gates are probably still there, but they're probably all electrified or, I don't know, operated by, you know, modern technology. And St. Peter would be there with his, in his office, probably with his assistants, going through your sins on his computer. Big, long list of sins. 
And you know, everyone who did the Camino, they're gonna they're gonna be a bit smug, aren't they? You're lining up, you know, with all the other sinners and you're looking at them, they're all sweating. I'd be there like, yeah, I got this. I got this, got my Camino cert rolled up under my arm. I have a funny feeling that the Camino heads, when they face St. Peter at the pearly gates, he's going through the long list of sins, and they pull out their Camino cert and say, oh, but I did the Camino. I have a horrible feeling he's just going to turn around and say, yeah, a lot of people talking about this Camino thing. Uh, sorry, we, we don't know what it is. And uh, send you off to hell. Just saying. You never know. That Pearly Gates thing just reminds me of, there was an interview, uh, Gay Byrne, Irish, uh, the late Gay Byrne, Irish broadcaster, did an interview. He had a series called The Meaning of Life, and he used to always ask him at the end, so say if it's all true and you get to the Pearly Gates, what would you say to God? And I'm not crazy on that question because it's, it's framing it in such a literal way, but it is using the language and the visuals, I suppose, that, you know, most of us, that's how we comprehend, can comprehend of these things, whether we believe them or not. But anyway, yeah, Stephen Fry was interviewed by a British actor, famous English actor, and um, he gave this long response about, oh, what would you say to God? And he gets diatribe really angry about how he, you know, complained about all the suffering in the world. And, yeah, I, I get that. For me, it felt a bit like a kid who just discovered Santa Claus isn't real. But a lot of people nowadays, that is their attitude, and certainly in my country. And church made a right mess of things, that's for sure. And the institution of the church, still a lot of questions, things that need to be sorted. I'm not getting into that here. There's plenty of that being um, rehearsed in newspaper pages, and I'm rightly so. Being aired down in the open, a lot of grievances and uh, a lot that needs to be sorted. And if it isn't sorted, the church will, uh, the institution will hopefully collapse. But another thing Mary O'Hara said to me, you can be a practicing Catholic without the Vatican, which is interesting uh, to hear from her. But I'm not really, I don't want to go down, you know, once you start talking about religion, it puts a lot of people off. It either puts people off or people want to jump on the happy, clappy bandwagon. You know, it's kind of funny, Irish people nowadays often will say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I just, I think they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. I think, uh, actually, it's fine. Why would I want to get up on my high horse about that? I think most people are searching for meaning, though. Either searching for it or running as fast as they can from it, but in the dark night of your soul, that's what you'll come back to. And uh, I've certainly gone off on a lot of tangents there. I'm not going to over-explain that quote. We must be heralds of joy in this suffering, joyless world. I would say 
that a lot of the material world and the consumeristic world is joyless. Sometimes we think it gives us joy, but it's fleeting. Sometimes it does, actually. I got a new watch recently that spent more on than I normally would on a watch. And I, I like it, looking at it now. I like the way it catches the light. It was a little treat for myself. I actually bought an electric guitar as well. I mean, during lockdown with money I didn't spend on holidays. The electric guitar gives a lot more to me because it's something I can do something with and create music with, it, however badly. And practicing is easy top riff. Uh, sharp dressed man. Oh, great riff. Rock blues. Blues rock. Bring it on. But, um, yeah, watch gives me pleasure, you know, it's mechanical. It's a mechanical, automatic, self-winding watch. Some guys like that, some don't. But, um, yeah, thing of beauty. Oh, I really don't want to get hung up talking about my watch. Hear the, um, the cowbells, isn't that a lovely sound? Oh, this is the plateau I was talking about as well. Yeah, it's lovely. This is a lovely part. I mean, it was raining heavy when I was on this bit with Ashley and the Irish woman. And uh, something's beat there. Was that here or there? Okay. Anyway, I'll leave you with that quote. I'm not gonna try and explain it. Google Mary O'Hara, amazing woman. Uh, my friend Dave Power made a documentary about her. Which you may be able to find for Irish station TG car, TG4. I'm coming up close to four kilometers. Let's see how I'm doing here. So two minutes to go. Okay. Yeah, the wind is really playing havoc and BK's um, um, microphone. Hope it made some sense today. Like I'm really not preparing any of this. And I wish I'd got a, had a lighter quote there for you. Winston Churchill had some great ones about Clement Attlee, the former Labour Prime Minister. He said he called him a sheep in sheep's clothing. And then he also said an empty taxi pulled up outside 10 Downing Street and Clement Attlee got out. And then another one, Clement Attlee, a modest man who has much to be modest about. They're kind of funny quotes. They're a little mean, but they're funny. What was the other great Winston Churchill when he said, I've often been forced to eat my own words, a meal which I've found to be substantial and wholesome. <laughs> that one's great. Because it's not mean. It's just really funny and clever. Okay. Let's end with Winston Churchill instead of uh, Ladislav Boros, but I'll probably come back to that. And hope you've enjoyed it. I'll be back tomorrow, God willing. Stay safe. God bless and buen camino. <laughs>